Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 32, episode 2 of the coronavirus quarantine uh, State of Play era. Um, We relaunched the podcast, obviously. Pet, um, unfortunately, can't be here once again, so we have Matt and myself. Matt, what's going on? Oh. Another another day, another podcast, another day in quarantine, right? Trying to figure out how to... Uh, <laughs> you always do it. that sigh right before... <laughs> yeah, you know what it is? It's one of... Because, like, most of my life, it's kind of... it's. We were talking before we even went live, you know, uh, that you know, how has our life been kind of, like, altered since this whole quarantine and what have you with the coronavirus. And for me, with the exception of no football and a little bit of sports, I mean, I, my weekends are pretty tame. My weeks are pretty tame. I kind of just go to work, come home, go to the gym, and then come home and just relax. So I've been just doing more relaxing. Um, but overall, yeah, it's kind of like a weird thing, just kind of having no sports on, period. Um, you know, obviously, as, uh, as all of us being Americans here, which we're going to get to our guest, you know, it's kind of, you know, some people kind of do different things or follow different things in other countries. But for us, it's always kind of like what's on, what's on TV, what's on ESPN, what's on you know, Fox, what's on NBC Sports Network. There's always something on. And now it seems like I can't, for me, I can't get into – like people, I know people are watching like the classics. I can't do that because I've seen them already. I know the outcome. It I just doesn't do saying. it to me. It doesn't do it for me. But Is it, you, know, you like I, that I would, with TV shows? I'm a little bit like that with TV shows. Like I have to, kinda. I have to forget a lot of things. Like yeah, you know, I know the exact premise of it, but it's hard for me to rewatch. But you know so. what it is? Is that people are like watching? They're like, oh, relive like this game. I'm like, yeah, but I saw it. Like I know what happens, and it just doesn't do it for me. So I'm not gonna sit here and waste like two hours of my time. So I'd rather be productive and do something else. But right. nevertheless, let's get into um, yes. to who we have our as guest. our guest. Uh, another guest who is rejoining for the second time, we have Roberto Rojas. He's BN Sport, um, you know, content producer. He's uh, really well versed in South American football. So Roberto, what's going on? How are you getting on throughout this entire coronavirus? Talk to us. What's up, Matt? What's up, Martino? Yeah, very well, man. Very well. Um, I will echo the, the statements that you had to say, Matt. It's like, you know, I, I've been watching a lot of the um, tweets and like people saying about how to relive all those old games in the past. And I kind of have to agree with what you said, you know, the fact of we know the outcome. It just it doesn't feel the same. It's not it's not the same as like when you're watching it in in the um, in the moment or okay maybe if there's a situation of a game that maybe you don't know the result of that already happened like many years ago then that makes sense because that brings a bit of a suspense to you but in the end I I agree I think there's just not really a bunch to um to go into it but hey at least people are able to do multiple challenges be it tag you about your top five moments uh what changed you as a fan or I see a lot of people doing push-ups. I feel like a lot of people, <laughs> yeah. are, you know, you know, you know, in my area too, is that like there's a lot of people who like there's people who are, I see regularly walking around or running around outside, but now I see like a ton more people with like whether it be by themselves with their wife, their husband, their kids, yeah. and in a strange way, I know this whole situation right now is very it's 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 sad, it's it's difficult. There's a lot of people struggling uh, financially, socially, economically, whatever, what have you, but. It's also one of those things where it's kind of unified a lot of people. And I think, you know, we as football people, you know, on the football podcast, we're so accustomed to talking about football, you know, on a regular basis. But it's kind of in a, in a strange way 
feels like a little bit of a good thing to kind of just step back from sports in general, which consumes our life most of the time. And just kind of like be close to your loved ones, be, you know, check out with your friends who you maybe haven't spoken with in a while, see what they're up to um, and get creative with ways to kind of converse and, and, and still, um, you know, pass the time and, ha- and have fun with, with the situation we're in. So, um, you know, I, I guess we, we, we could get right into the actual football content here because I think that's why people are listening. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to our previous episode, as Martino mentioned, this is the second episode in our coronavirus uh, situation here. We had Janusz Mikalik from ESPN on our previous episode, so make sure you guys go check that out. Subscribe, leave a positive review. It means the world to us. It does, it does a, a world amount of good for um, our growth as a podcast, which in the grand scheme of things is very much short. So, uh, Martino Roberto, what do you guys want to get started with? Oh, I just wanted to say one second, um, because on the replay stuff, Bleacher Report, I tweeted out the link. They played the live replay of Barca versus Man United in 2011. Like, to something like that, like, that's a that's cool to me. Like, a final at least? I don't know about you guys. To me, like, a final like that, that's cool at least. But if it's And I think a, the significance of that final, too, because of who are the main players. If, the main players. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, when you knew that Messi goal was coming from outside the box and he put it in the bottom right corner, like, it still gives you the chills. I, that's just me personally because that was, like, the apex of one of the best teams you've ever seen and one of the best players you'll ever see in probably his best Champions League moment, in my opinion. I don't think he had a bigger one. Um, and maybe, who knows, maybe we'll see another one uh, in the future. Um, I think but it's, very, right it's a very it's, – it's, yeah, it's a very select few games. I know – at the beginning of this whole um, coronavirus. I swear you know, to God, uh, if they put on the, 2005, I'm going to No, 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 no. There was, I, I think Sky Sport put on the 2006 World Cup, which was pretty cool like, mm. to see that because it was like a very, very key World Cup for Italy, obviously. For <laughs> yeah, of course was, I like that one. <laughs> well, well, because they won, yes, but for everything, the significance of that World Cup at the time for time football, you know, going everything with Cacciopoli back home domestically. So, you know, it, it, it was, it's kind of one of those things where you got to like pick and choose. But as far as like, mining and going deep into like the archives to find like games from this year like uh, it just uh, doesn't do nah, it for yeah. me and i'm kind of trying to find diff- different ways like i'm playing pes right now i did like a become a legend thing which yeah, is kind yeah. of similar to what fifa has to become a pro but uh or be a pro whatever but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm finding ways to get my football fixed but i'm sure like you guys are doing uh you know still working finding other ways to you know be productive stay healthy stay active and just kind of be smart through this entire situation so, Roberto, we asked Giannis this question. It was towards the end of the podcast. Um, obviously, all these leagues are suspended, and we kind of want to try and keep it to Europe because as far as we know with the MLS, that season will play out um, to an extent, right, um, because it just started. So it's, a, it's much different than what goes on in Europe. But for Europe, there's a lot of different things and a lot of factors that still need to be resolved. There's – one or two title races that are kind of put to bed others that are relatively close, right? Like La Liga, um, even Bundesliga and Serie A, they're all, they're all relatively close and closer than usual, right? Like Real Madrid is fight. This is probably the first time in a while that they've really competed this long and deep that in the title race, especially since Cristiano left. Um, and then the Bundesliga as well, like Bayern isn't dominating like usual. Juve, I mean, Juve, we would have all assumed pull out. But if you would just go through some of these leagues, like what would you do? Do you just keep all 20 teams in these leagues? Um, do you keep um, 
the spots that you reward titles. Like for, for Liverpool, for example, I think it's kind of stupid if you don't give Liverpool a title. Like this, it's wrapped up. I know mathematically Ted's technically not done, but let's be real here. They got a 20-point lead pretty much, and and you're just going to sit there and tell me, like, if you finish the season, you can't reward Liverpool the title. Like it, what's done is done. Like They've done enough that – they deserve that title. They deserve to lift their first modern day Premier League title. I mean, like I understand there's like the Champions League races and the spots like some teams feel like they have a shot at it and stuff like that. Like what what would you do? And then even the competitions like the Champions League now, like how would you continue that? Where would you leave off? Like, is there just no winner for the Champions League? Yeah, I think it's really going to be tough about what happens to all the major domestic leagues and I think of the club competitions because in just such a crucial time as well. I mean, this is usually when the nitty-gritty happens in all of the major leagues. I mean, obviously, with the exception of, as you said, the Premier League where, you know, Liverpool need only two games left to win the actual Premier League. And also, if you go to France, PSG are having a significant advantage of where, be it a big uh, um, loss and big... Um, blow. Uh, they're gonna ba- they're gonna basically win the the Liga title. But for the other leagues, like you mentioned, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, and all the other domestic competition, uh, continental competitions such as the Champions League and the Europa League, it's gonna be tough to try to put in all of those games at once when we don't even know. And obviously, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, and I have no um. I, 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 would, I don't have any right to speak about the wonderful people that are doing this job and informing us about how, indeed, we will stop this, this, um, this virus. But at the same time, you know, we don't know when it will contain itself. I mean, it's too tough to say. I mean, I, I also have to give a shout-out to all those um, directors and those that are working in high administrative positions based on the country that they they work for depending on the league that they're at and or even in UEFA as well. I mean, they are really up to a, t- a tough decision for, for many of us. I, uh, in a way, I think with the suspension of the Euros and, and the Copa America as well, I mean, you would think that they would play out the rest of the season, but you know, when a season ends in two months, you, you know, titles are usually over or at least championships are usually over within mid-May, early May, even the end of May, if, if it has to go that far uh, when it comes to the Champions League and the Europa League. So it really is tough to see how we're able to um, get all these bunched up and, and try to decide a winner. I mean, if I'm going to be really honest with you, I, I don't know if we're real, we will see something come about. I, I, In my personal opinion, I think what might happen is that, assuming that all the football comes back, um, I think it's just going to stay the way it is. I think they're going to put make this season or winner and, and just, I mean, with certain exceptions, I mean, every league is going to think differently because um, they have their own decision-making and power to, to do what's right. Um, I think they might just vacate it. I think they might just vacate it, and then we go again when it's back on. I mean, it, it really will be tough to see what happens. I mean, if, if, if we really want to go really – surely much more better you would say is like you would probably scrap the two club competitions that are left because you know you're missing you have your you have the majority of your quarterfinalists I mean you still still have the round of 16 in the the Europa League and the Champions League with the quarterfinals and also with other teams left to even make it to that 
a spot, it's going to be impossible to see all of this be done and all bunched up um, before the season starts. I mean, one factor that might go into place is how this will lead into when the World Cup happens in Qatar um, two years from now. Obviously, the season will be stopped um, in mid-December, November when the tournament happens. And then, and then that's it. I mean, it, it will be really tough to see how these calendars are going to be um, messed up or, or organized um, for all the teams. So if, I want, if I'm going to give you my honest opinion of what I think is going to happen after evaluating how much time has passed since this whole outbreak occurred, what the decisions were being made by the teams. Um, I, I just, in my personal opinion, and I think this is going to be really bad for some people that probably are listening. Um, I, I think we won't have a champion. I think we're going to deem this season um, vacant. vacant. We're just going to vacate the entire season and, and have no Champions League winner, no Europa League winners. And then the, te- the same teams that were there um, start again in whatever day that they begin the season again. I, I think from, from when I'm looking at it, the, way, the more I think about it each day and the more I see, I guess, because right now I've, I know people are kind of like, st- there's certain you know, publications, certain sites, certain journals, um, and st- content creators still putting out like some sort of like, you know, transfer news, transfer updates, rumors, gossip, and all that stuff. For me, I haven't clicked a single one of those. I haven't even kind of brought myself to get back in completely on anything that's kind of new post stoppage here so the way i'm looking at everything and i'm kind of dissecting on a day-to-day basis and kind of absorbing it like you guys are like everyone else is at this moment in time the way i read everything from you know top directors and and from each league and from each you know federation is no one really has any sort of grasp there's no sort of consistency um on when they can realistically like i'm talking like not two weeks three weeks i'm talking like Everyone kind of more or less have like a, a targeted date where like, hey, leagues can at least start resuming here. I'm looking at what Napoli is doing. I don't know if you guys saw that. They're resuming training this week, which to me is absurd. It's completely ridiculous and it's dangerous. You know, Another it's retreat, huh? It's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm looking at it and there's so much uncertainty around the league. And Roberto, you made mention of like, this is the smack that this is where like you essentially title winners are established. This is where teams, if you're going to make a push for something, whether it be, you know, a title, a top four, a top six, or fighting your way out of relegation, like this is when you're making that push. And the same thing you can make, you can make the case for in the Champions League Europa League. I mean, we don't have just, you know, a a semifinal game here and there, like a semifinal draw where you have, you know, four matches essentially. And then the final, like, we have, like, a packed schedule full of games here and significant games where there's a lot of revenue on the line. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, the financial implications of things. So there's a lot of moving parts in here. And, you know, if we're speaking on the whole calendar shift and how everything kind of been affected by this, bear in mind this. If you push everything back in the season in the terms of the calendar, the calendar is put in the way it is right now for a reason because it, it's the most feasible and most it makes the most sense, right? You have the entire season, you have the breaks in between for international competition, and then you have that, that one or two month spell for the transfer window, which is very important. Obviously, it's a huge factor that comes into play for European football, for world football on a domestic level. If you move everything back and you're hypothetically running through a scenario in your mind that says, hey, we're going to push everything back 
now that we have no euros, we can take our time and we're going to put this thing into December. Well, now you're essentially delaying everything with the transfer window too. And now if it falls into that category, let's say, for example, you're pushing in here to September, October football to finish some of these competitions, right? That means, okay, so now the January transfer window is altered. So for me, you know, when I look at everything, I, I agree with Roberto here. The more I think about it, I just see them saying, hey, look, the world stopped. The, we, the whole sporting world came to a halt at this period in time. As unfortunate as, and as unfair as it may be for some of the clubs like you know, Sheffield United, who are newly promoted and they're fighting for you know, a, a really significant spot with Manchester United. They have a game in hand. And then you have Manchester United, who's fifth, but City may get, you know, with their ban. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of moving parts here that you can't just say, like, well, we're just going to continue on or we're going to just, you know, stop it here and crown this team. Like, it's, everyone's in the same situation at the end of the day. No one forecasted this virus, you know, striking the entire world. So at the end of the day, you really, it really boils down to the fact that it's bigger than football at this point in time. It's bigger than well, we have, to play, we have to play our games. Yeah, but everyone's going through it. It's not just Italy who's getting hit, and they're not playing games. And all the schedule's altered when, where, where the, you know, the, the title race is not being finished or it's not on track with the other leagues. You know what I'm saying? So I, I look at everything, and I, this is just me speaking you know, honestly and being more kind of realistic versus optimi- optimistically speaking. I would be like, oh, yeah, I'd love for it to start in two months. But I'm hearing this may be more than two or three months. I mean, Italy's losing people, more people every day. It's not, we're not really getting much of, a, of, a, of an inclination that it's getting better in that regard. So if you have those stadiums where you're saying, we're going to go and start play games, even if it's behind closed doors, you're still having that foot traffic. You saw what happened with Valencia. They had played behind closed doors, but then you had people gathered outside the stadium. Like, then Same thing in have, Paris, too. Then you're going to have people, right. Then you're going to have people saying, well, you know, if I can't go to the game, but the game's on, and now you have these teams, now you have these, these you know, these, um, television, these television networks broadcasting the games, then you're going to have people trying to go to the pubs, and they're going to – it's a whole bunch of things going on here that I think the sensible thing to do is say, look, everyone's going through it. Everyone's feeling it right now. At the end of the day, it's bigger than football, and if it means that the rest of the season just, just doesn't finish, so be it. It's, it's one of those things where no one forecasted this. It's not like it's, you know, a lone player, you know, passed away or suddenly passed away or, you know, an executive or a coach or whatever the case may be, you know, we saw like Emiliano Sala. Like at the end of the day, you had a little bit of a halt, but then the show must go on. This is a, 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 this is a pandemic that's, extra, uh, that's obviously in the U.S., but worldwide it's an epidemic and you have to be, you know, cautious. You have to make the right decision in this moment in time. And for me, it wouldn't feel right to continue playing on when you got people dying and, 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 and doctors fighting to keep people alive in Italy and, 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 and worldwide. So I, I don't know, guys. I mean, I know I'm sure we're going to do more of these podcasts. And, you know, Martino, when, once we have more guests on, we're going to get more perspectives on how other people feel. But the way it's developing and the way that it's constantly being more tightened, everything's more strict now with these um, these these dates and these you know these hard deadlines for people to be in their homes and they can't go out here and this place is open this place isn't open it just doesn't seem like it's turning the corner as quickly as maybe some people thought it would um, I know it's only been a what a week week and a half give or take but it it just doesn't seem like it's going to get better before it gets worse 
Yeah. Um, each day that passes is just, I mean, it's just too much. And even, even different countries throughout all of Europe in general, like they're not even properly, like they're at different time frames, right? Like Italy is ahead of everyone else in terms of this situation. And they're just maybe hopefully soon trying to get it under control, right? Like yeah. these other countries, they're at a different time frame, you know, like they're more towards the beginning. If well, you the UK, to but like, like, and even the UK, like UK, that's Italy, what I'm saying. Like certain, yeah. certain, certain countries are not on the same page. So let's say for instance, at least full on lockdown, it essentially it works. Like hypothetically speaking, let's say it works in two months. You're having you know very little to no people being affected, and the numbers are going down. We're flattening the curve. That's that's kind of been the, the phrase here, right? But if UK is lagging behind, and they're not following orders, then you're having people who are you have Champions League games. I'm not going to the UK. I'm not going to get affected because of this. You see what I'm saying? So like that's why I, it go it, it just there's too many moving parts. There's too, there's too many different governments. There's too many um, approaches, mindsets towards this that you really just don't see any sort of uh, feasible, you know, outcome where we do finish the season, even if it's you know two months, three months beyond where it usually is in May, you know, early June. Yeah, um, like I, I think you're right. I think Champions League for sure is just going to get canceled because there's no actual yeah. way that you can determine a winner in that, right? There's no one that's like, oh, this, this team's in first place. They're on their way to win the Champions League. No, it's a knockout competition. So the games actually have to be played. You can't just like mathematically get a winner like you do in the Premier League. So for that, I think absolutely that's going to be done. I think Coppa Italia, for example, I think that's something that'll be suspended till August. I think that yeah. that is something you can actually carry over to an extent before the I'm season, not... like they do, like the, like the Super Cup and stuff like that. Exactly, and then uh, and then maybe who knows? Um, I just I, I guess the I guess the season itself. I I think there should be a proposal though to start the off season in the top right. five leagues in Europe, kind of like how the NFL is taking care of it over here in America, right? So for those of you who are listening over in Europe or whoever is not really that familiar with the NFL and, and the other leagues over here, but they allow their free agency period to go on, which basically is just players that would leave like on a free transfer. Teams are free to make trades, um, which would just be like a transfer swap uh, between players. Um, but they started that. You don't need to go to other clubs and places to be, the, to do that the, right the, like you the could only complete... the only thing the only thing is is the physical part of it yeah, the like phys- yeah of course but i'm saying stuff. you but could agree to for... available but sure, of more or less it's not one of those things where it's in other words it's not as much activity with the agents flying over here flying over there like a lot you of you get a lot between... done on the phone right you get a lot right. done on the phone and i just think that's something they should consider i'm also again one of the topics was ffp now ffp is just like this is a very it's again it's uncharted waters it's unprecedented like how do you handle it there's certain teams like like what happens to manchester city does there is their ban still upheld like i i don't think i think i think that's going to actually stay right like i i think the appeal for manchester city might be towards the bottom of the list at this point with all the stuff that uefa has to take care of considering everything is being moved to 2021 um uh, their women's team that have to you know, worry about those competitions. They also have to worry about getting the World Cup qualifiers set up. Um, yeah. And, and, and teams like Milan too, right, for example? Like, 
like what like where where are they in terms of this are they kind of allowed to spend are they allowed to spend even less because they're not having as much income because a lot of the games aren't being played at their stadium these are just teams i'm thinking of with uh financial issues off the top of my head and and like Yanish was saying in the last podcast as well there's not going to be massive transfers so like you think like a Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid I have a hard time seeing that happen this summer and I like high profile moves like that I think there'll be moves where you could see guys at least to the extent of like 60 to 70 million and it's not going to be release clauses being triggered I think it's going to be maybe a lot of domestic sales within the same league I think in other words like like that sort of thing where maybe if, you know, players are not going to be as, you know, like, for example, like if you have that young starlet player, you know, maybe like a Castro. Jack Grealish or, or, or something. Tanali or a Grealish or some of these players who, you know, they didn't get that really that full season, you know, in, internally for a guy like Grealish who, you know, is at Aston Villa, they just, they did get promoted. They are fighting for, to, to stay above relegation waters. In his mind, he might be saying, I can't ditch my team like this to, you know, I didn't get it. I, I don't feel like my, my journey has been fulfilled here. We didn't get a full season together in the Premier League. So would I just jump ship with them? Then there's going to be some players that say, hey, look, like this is the kind of what I have to offer. Right now may be the best time for me to make the move because let's face it, I may not have this sort of season next year. And obviously, I, I, I think the, the transfer market's also a really, really big factor in this. And I know people are going to say, well, you know, it's more than money. And, and I get that. But Football itself is a business too, and I think the transfer market, the way everything revolves about that summer transfer window, the players moving back and forth, you know, and how much that kind of drives the game forward. Right when you look at the you know, each season, the new players, the new shirt sales, um, who you're going to advertise, who you're going to put, in, you know, who you're going to see in the Champions League, so on and so forth. Not to mention, you put that, and and I look at this the calendar again, the way it's structured. If you sort of push everything back, and you're having you know, games played in, you know, the later part of the season, then it, you're going to have everything pushed back. And if you're having the Euro already in 2021, it's smack dead in between that sort of area, you're going to have World Cup qualifiers, right? So you're playing essentially, you're getting your mindset to get prepared for the Euro. And then meanwhile, you have the World Cup qualifiers. Are the, are the teams going to risk the, 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 their players in the World Cup qualifiers? Or are they going to prioritize, you know, you're bringing the best squad they can at the Euro? So I think for me, they're going to try and stick as closely as possible to the calendar the way it is. If it's a cut short season, because we see it in other sports, right, with strikes and, you know, so on and so forth. At the end of the day, they typically don't make those games up. We've seen it in, in baseball where they play 140 games instead of 162, right? So it's been done before, but I think ultimately – you have the calendar the way it is. You have to give players at the end of the day too, right? You have to give players that are holiday. You have to give their the players their time with their family. Like you can't keep these guys captive and then restart and then just not have the window and then say, yep, we're going to start the next season right now, right? So I, I don't know, guys. I know it's one of those things where we're going to be talking about it so much while we're kind of hunkered down in our homes and doing these podcasts throughout this, this period. But um, what, what else do you guys want to kind of – you know, um, shift gears too. So, I think, so, you know, we could talk about maybe MLS. I know they're one of those leagues where they're just starting. I think it's only been a week into their new season. So they typically run in October, November is when the final is. So mm-hmm, they'll be November, affected by yeah. it for sure. 
but at the same time, they usually run late anyway. It's going to be so more condensed, yeah. It's going to be more condensed, and you know, you'll probably find you know more games clustered in. But overall, I think MLS will be able to kind of stick within the parameters of their schedule and get the get their season done without as much of a you know hassle and um, inconvenience as the other leagues are. Berto, so if you're the MLS at this point, do you just actually consider having the West and the East combine into one standing and just play it out like Europe does and the regular season champion is your MLS champion and you don't really go into the playoffs because then it would just – if you're trying to condense every single game that you're trying to play because you already lost two to three months of the season – um, do you take off a few games during the regular season, then go into the playoffs, or would you rather just try that way and see how that actually works for the MLS? Because people vouch for that all the time on top of the relegation part, that there shouldn't be any playoffs. If you want elimination, you should just have your own separate cup. So what is your opinion on that, and how do you think MLS should go about it? Well, the thing about MLS comparable to Europe, um, you know, the fact is obviously their seasons start much differently. You know, you have a season that started at the end of February, and Provisionally, uh, at least what MLS is saying is that they would finish by November 7th, um, which uh, to the case is not unlikely because, or is not um, the case for some teams because some teams can also end. If you could remember, I think two years ago, MLS ended, I think, back in December um, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's not like it can't be possible for a league to be extended. Will it create a lot of... Um, scheduling conflicts and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Of course, 100%. But I think when it comes to what happens here, and obviously we don't know what, what kind of mess we will see of the coronavirus pandemic here in the United States specifically, um, but I think it also has to go about what happens to of the other major sporting leagues as well, but at least we're, and we're focusing on MLS itself. I personally think if this so-called virus is indeed contained by June, July, and I'm being completely hypothetical, I have no sense of what might happen or or have like a crystal ball or something. But if I was thinking long-term, I think we could see a shortened season and maybe we do see some sort of playoffs in an MLS Cup. Um, But, you know, you you bring up a good point as there, Martino, is that we see perhaps a league where, you know, you don't have to go based on a playoffs – and that kind of thing. Maybe you just go with the overall standings um, of the 26 teams that are there and, and decide it there because, one, as you said, you know, there's no relegation, so there's nothing to worry about for any of these teams. I mean, the only thing that they do have to worry about is their playoff push, um, which wouldn't make sense for any of these teams now because they've only played two games. So I think MLS have a lot to work with here and I think are a bit fortunate, if you would say, about how their season was just getting started in comparison to all the other major European leagues getting their leagues, um, you know, getting into the nitty-gritty and pushing for either a title challenge, top four finish, or, or trying to get out of relegation. So it's kind of that kind of scenario. So I think, if I have to be honest, I think we will see the season go about just because of how much time we're dealing with. Maybe we see a shortened season. I, I, I personally would not be too um, crazy about that either. And, and I think a lot of people want that because um, it, it just works that way for them and just because how how they've been able to – I mean, I, I don't see – I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, nevertheless, if they were to cancel this entire season and deem it, you know, vacant as it is. Hopefully, at least that might happen in the other leagues around the world. But when you're dealing with only two games left, I mean, it's it kind of seems a bit, um, I don't want to say 
ridiculous, but you just you you don't work with a lot with just having two games. So it's better to to have some sort of a season where we will have some sort of champion or or something, so that we can um, hopefully get this season much more on track um, after this whole coronavirus pandemic. Hopefully. Uh, gets rid. Uh, gets. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, States. Matt, you could take that. But um, do you have um any opinion on that? Well, how would you like to see the MLS really go about it? Because me personally, I just want to see them do it the way they normally do it. Play out the regular season. Just combine both standings. See how it goes. Um, because generally, I'm of the belief that the MLS in America as a whole with the way they view football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, they have this very narrow-minded view and then that they feel like they have to do things the American way and they can't do things the way the Europeans do them or the rest of the world does them, right? We see it in our high school soccer. There's unlimited amounts of subs. They count – the time counts up and uh, counts down from 45 instead of counting up to 45. And that goes to the college ranks too, right? Like they value college more than – just starting kids when they're young uh, teenagers and bringing them up through academies. They just have to do everything differently. They don't introduce relegation. They just keep on adding more teams, 20 or more teams. It's, it just feels like the MLS always just tries to be so stubborn and just really do American soccer culture as a whole, especially on the men's side. Um, like, what, like, what do you do here? Like, do you agree with what Roberto was saying or like, what, what's your spin on this? I agree with what Roberto's saying. I don't think they're going to have any sort of drastic, you know, aggressive change to the, the format for the playoffs. I think they're going to keep playoff format the way it is. I think in this situation, it's probably still feasible, right? Because let's say, for example, you have – there's no teams going up or down, right? So if everyone's – or and all the clubs have already played, you know, I think it's the one game so far, right? Let's say, for example, they start a month or two later, two, two, three months later, call it. And however many games in that span were missed for each team, then you can kind of try to find more or less a, a common ground on how many games we're going to play. Let's say it's instead of 36, it's, I don't know, 24, right? Let's, let's just throw a number out there. All the teams are going to play 24 games. Whoever is in their current position or their position to make the playoffs after those 24 games, then that's how we're going to go along. And that's how the playoffs are going to be. I think you'll find in this situation that most of these MLS franchises um, will be on board because at the end of the day, I think they just want to get back to playing the sport itself. And I think at the end of the day, you know, it's not just an MLS thing. I think at the end of the day, look, if, if teams were saying we're going to have a condensed schedule, we're not going to be able to play a full 30-something games, you know, depending on which leagues. Obviously, some have 18, some have 20. But more or less, we're not going to play the full slate of games as we typically do. Think how it coincides with baseball now, too, because baseball schedule is a little different. So think of a team like that. I mean, I you're going to baseball. Baseball is going to be a shortened season. They're not going to because they already no, have, exactly. They but when when do they play those certain games? Do certain games fall on the same day? As yeah. here's here's the thing: is that Major League Baseball teams they typically only have what sixteen to seventeen scheduled day offs. And what I mean by that is days in the calendar where it's an actual definitive day off, not a game, not a, not a game where it's gets, it gets, it's scheduled and then it gets like a rain delay and then it gets canceled or postponed and then it turns into like a double header. So they already have a pretty packed schedule, a lot of traveling, 
There's a lot of back and forth. There's just so much going on baseball. It's a very, very long season. So I anticipate with baseball specifically, because I think you can kind of make, draw parallels and comparisons between the two because they're both, you know, North American sports, right? You do have Toronto, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. So you do have kind of that element in there as well. Um, but when you look at the actual American format, the American sports format, the way the schedule is kind of aligned, I think you're going to see baseball have the format where they're going to play just less games. It's going to be no one's started, no one's played any games yet. You know, it's not like what, certain teams have played this many games and certain teams have to make. Oh no, up of course they have over. to. They have to revamp up spring training right. again because they have to worry about all these pitcher right. injuries. And because, it's, it's also yeah. it's also it's also the health of the players too. Right. So if you're if you're thinking in your mind that with MLS or, you know, the top five leagues, right? I know this is a podcast that covers top five leagues plus major league soccer and major league soccer to those top five leagues, the structure and the overall um, uh, feel of the league is just it's just different, right? To your point, Martino, uh, you know, you know, pro rel and that whole conversation versus the strict format of pro relegation in in in, in Europe and, and abroad. It's it's one of those things where you can't put the players in a position where you're gonna, they're going to be vulnerable to injuries, where you're going to say, hey, you know, we play this many games. Now we're going to beef up the schedule to fit in out of those games. A lot of traveling. I mean, you see how much these teams travel. You know, if you're having a team that's, let's say, us, you know, in the, on the, in the East Coast, right, you have an NYCFC and the Red Bulls traveling across the country to play in Seattle or play LAFC or, you know, Galaxy. Like, you can't have it where it's – they're just traveling back and forth. People are playing – three games in a span of seven days like that's a lot and now you get into the position where the quality of play is not as good you put the players under risk for injury and it just becomes a mishmash hodgepodge and just kind of an overall um you know not ideal approach to to playing the games and getting it back to where we want it to be so i, I think it's going to be one of those cases where you know with, with the mls here because that's what the initial uh, question was I think it's going to be one of those cases where if they can find a way to maybe fill in some holes with extra games and then agree on an actual set amount of games that each team will play, they'll try and do that. But I think at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if they just say, hey, we're going to play 25, 26 games, you know, based off wherever we pick up, have the playoffs as we normally do and stick to the calendar more or less. Now, if it's a couple weeks later or a month later where they have to extend it to to maybe fill in and get more games in there, I think they'll do that. But if it's one of those things where it's three, four months and now you're dripping into the next year and then you're saying, hey, we got World Cup qualifiers, I think they're not going to do something like that where it's going to compromise another major tournament, right? I mean, look, Euro, Copa America are already postponed. Now we, I think they've put a, a, a time frame on Tokyo for the Olympics, right? So now it's another thing we're having to keep an eye on too is does that get pushed back? Now you have all these things getting pushed back. So I think it's still very new. It's still very fresh. In the grand scheme of things, look, we were this time last week, there was still going to be games played or, or a couple days you know, here and there were going to be played in the Premier League until Miguel Arteta tested positive for the virus. Probably one of the reason. dumbest things that was going right. on. So, like, honestly. it's not – it feels like we've been in this situation long, but it's only been about a week, week and a half, two weeks. So – there's still a lot that's going to be learned. There's still a lot that's going to have to transpire um, a lot in terms of the, 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 the medical side and the health side and all those sorts of things to essentially you'll, you'll keep this thing under wraps and just try to prevent it from spreading more and, and, and hurting the world uh, more than it already has. But this is a developing thing. We all know it's a developing thing. We're not doctors here. We don't know what to really expect. Um, it, it's just one of those things where 
it, at the end of the day, it just feels just kind of strange talking about it because we, there's so much uncertainty. And at the end of the day, this it just feels like there's things bigger than the sport itself. And look, I know I think it's something that unifies at everyone. Sport, sports, you know, whether whether you be a soccer fan, whether it be American football fan, hockey, you know, baseball, so on and so forth. Everyone tends to it's a thing. It's like it's part of culture, everyday you know culture for people. But there's so much uncertainty. We really just don't know where this is going to go, and we just got to hope for the best and yeah. hope for the, the best well-being for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy times, and, and this is where I I find it kind of funny sometimes when people are. And Janish made this point as well. That the point that you were just talking about how sports kind of unifies everyone. These are this is like the time that like sports like just don't matter this is when your core values matter as people right like the, like everything else about like sports yeah that's a nice place to to get away and distract you from from the real life stuff but what happens when it affects sports right because then it's compromise and now now you realize you got everyone has to face this themselves you know what i mean it's not and that's i kind of feel like what some people are forgetting to that extent, right? There's lots of people. And I think it finally, once it hit, like, players started getting it, right? Right. There were well-known figures. And, and they're players, still getting like young it. people. And, and even, the death, even, even the death of the former president for Real Madrid. Like, now when you start having, like, the deaths and, like, you have yep. varying degrees of people dying, varying, people, varying, varying age brackets, so you have players who are completely healthy, you know, the Paulo Dybala's of the world, you know, Matuidi and, you know, uh, Fellaini. Uh, you know, from in, in, he's playing in China. You have varying players getting, you know, you know, test testing positive for this virus. It's it, it's, it's, cra- it's crazy and, times. And there's and yeah, and there's also the people that are asymptomatic, meaning they don't show the symptoms. And there's, I guarantee, there's millions of people that have it because you can't truly know until you get tested. So that's the scary thing about it. And you're just everyone's just going to have to stay inside, take the proper precautions for all of this. But anyways, we'll we'll end it there on on that stuff. But Roberto, Miguel Almiron, right? Um, you're one of the. This was your coming out party, as as your. Uh, in, I guess you could say for your for your journalism career, right? <laughs> um, he is like the guy that you probably will point back to when you're talking to your kids, your grandkids about when you started your career. This guy was just phenomenal before play stopped. Um, Tell me about everything about him because I know it's always difficult when a player, it doesn't even matter if they're coming from South America, you know, North America, Asia, wherever they're coming from. Anytime you go to the Premier League or one of the best leagues in the world, it's going to take time to adapt. And it took time for Miguel Almiron to adapt. But tell me about how he was playing once he finally adapted because it finally seemed like he was hitting a stride. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think going back to what he's done over the last few months has been very different. I think he's always proven his importance. And I think why he's always been shown to be an important player for Newcastle has been um, turning around that kind of team that when he first arrived um, back just last year, um, you know, the team was fighting relegation and he was able to, to turn around and be provide that kind of spark for the team um, to get them out of that relegation hole and keep, keep them into the Premier League for another season. Well, this season under Steve Bruce was a bit different because even though he was playing in a different position. He was playing on the right wing, uh, right midfielder when he's typically known as a left midfielder or as a 10, as a center attacking midfielder behind the, um, the striker. 
we didn't see the best of him. And th- there was that concern about him also not scoring because he had gone a whole year without scoring. And, and therefore, the criticism was starting to get to him. Now, obviously, Newcastle had gone the whole – had been going a few games without scoring anyway. So the lack of goals um, was concerning. And even though Miguel Amiron at the time uh, was here longer, perhaps the pressure was there. But I think it all changed back in December when he f- finally scored his first goal in a Newcastle shirt against Crystal Palace. Um, and then heading into the new year, it just changed, you know, uh, six goals now in the entire season, uh, the most out of any other player in Newcastle in this comp- in all competitions, four in the FA Cup, uh, one more in the uh, Premier League, uh, it was against Wolves, but yeah, he's been doing great form. He's been in the reason of that is also he's been shifting more to the left where he's able to be more comfortable in a role that he's more accustomed to or in the middle as well behind, uh, Joe Ellington. Um, and, and trying to combine well with St. Maximin. I mean, obviously, it's not the perfect piece. I mean, I, I think the team is still struggling to, any, to the extent that, um, obviously, when the season stopped, that it, it wasn't sure if they were going to stay in the Premier League for another season. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have to echo what you said, Martino, and say that his form and what he's been able to achieve so far in this new year has been great and that hopefully he can continue in keeping that um, stride of things uh, eventually when the season comes back and other um, major competitions uh, restart as well. Yeah, no, it's always, it's always great to see players like that grab the form, um, especially at this time or right when play kind of went to stoppage, right? Because that's a lot of the times where, you know, you get a little bit of a break um, after the holidays and you can kind of regroup yourself and, and gather everything together. And he clearly showed that, you know, it, it just takes time. You know, there, there's so many, and I think Lazio is a good example of this too, right? Where when you stick to players, when you stick to a system, when you have, when you kind of just like give them time to develop, uh, because there's so much pressure, especially in the Premier League, right? And, and when and when teams spend money and they have these expectations, and the Premier League, let's be honest, it's notorious for having probably the highest expectations of a lot of the players that get assigned to clubs, right? I mean, how hyped up has Manchester United signings are always? Uh, Arsenal, I mean, just all the top clubs. And, and it goes all the way down to Newcastle United too. So it's great to see him finally hit his stride there. Um, how do you think about this absence, though? I mean, because it, it sucks when someone is playing so well and you're riding momentum and then all of a sudden there's just a stoppage of play. Do you think that it, it could be spin as a positive or spun as a positive because he could build off of how well he was playing right before stoppage was and he carries that confidence over into next season? Well, I think for a lot of these players, yeah. I mean, I think all of these players play a lot of football regardless. Um, I mean, obviously... This is, oh, yeah, the Premier League's insane. It's just, it's yeah, just, no. Or England, well, England, yeah. No, no, but in, in England, that's the case. But I'm talking about, like, maybe around the world. I mean, look at... Yeah. You, you don't have to go look for more further than Flamengo, the recent Libertadores champions, who, on average, probably play, like, 70 games an entire calendar year. So, yeah, I think this rest might be good enough for, for someone like Miguel Miron to be more proactive. I mean, he's always been someone that never gave up. Uh, and I think he, he's shown that, um, be it in training sessions and, you know, speaking to people who are close to, to Newcastle and close to Miron as, as well, you know, that he's someone that is not giving up, that he's always working hard. Um, 
in training sessions as well. I mean, sometimes he's the first to go in and the last to go out, um, which is which we've seen with various players who follow that kind of same route, um, sorry, route go the go well. So I, I think it might work out well for him. I mean, obviously it'll be different to see how these kind of rests affect all these players when they come back and see how keeping the strides of, of having no football for a significant amount of time. I mean, it just seems that this everlasting um, uh, cycle, it just, it never stops. And, you know, these players can get burnout and that kind of stuff, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens when everything goes back and how, how built up and how much more in fitness they are and, and how much of hundred percent they are as well. So yeah, I think it might be a good factor in the end if, if he's getting the significant amount of rest and, and doing the right training methods that he's doing to become a stronger player. Yeah, I, I, I hope it works out for him because it's really great to just, I don't know, I, for me, anytime players from smaller countries that aren't like, you know, massive mm. um, world beaters, like, you know, the Argentinas of the world, the Brazils of the world, it's really great to see like Paraguayan players make progress like that just from whatever country. And we're seeing more and more of that, right? It's not, we're not just traditionally seeing, it's just, oh, strictly Brazilians or Argentinians coming over from South America. Like there's players everywhere. And and it's awesome to see that um, someone like him is hitting stride like that. Um, I, I know it might be a little bit premature for it, but I mean, the ceiling for him, is it is it like what kind of club level can this guy hit? Like where where can he be a regular starting player on can it can it be a team that plays consistently in the champions league or is it or is he a rotational player in a champions league squad like what do you think the ceiling is for him no i i think every player and i think his i think everyone wants to go and and be the best player that they can be but you also have to be realistic of how well you could be in in a short amount of time because one there could be much better players at your age that are already in those established position, positions or number two there's are there are young kids that are coming about that are much younger than you who are looking to steal your place so the competition is always going to be there on all levels i think for him i think his ceiling will eventually be bigger i mean i don't want to make any long-term predictions i mean we've been dealing about how when this hey we're in quarantine man i yeah, had to think I mean, of something yeah um <laughs> you don't have I, to answer <laughs> no no i know but it, hey you put me on the spot i might as well Go for it. Um, I think his ceiling is a much bigger team, personally. I think if he is able to be more stronger and be able to be more consistent, I mean, I mean, a good comparison would probably have to be um, Georgino Wijnaldum, for example. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. even though they're two different players, they both played at Newcastle, and now one of them is at Liverpool, playing for one of the best teams in the world, and he's considered one of the best center defensive midfielders in the world. So yeah. maybe he hits that ceiling. Who knows? I mean, it's it's still early days. I mean. You know how it is, you know, born today, gone tomorrow, that kind of stuff. I mean, things can oh, yeah. change like that. That that's how that's how nice the sport is, but also how brutal it is. It's just that one minute you're good, and the next minute one bad game, boom, you're out and you're criticized. And it doesn't matter what team you play for. So, I I, I think his ceiling is high. I mean, I I would love to see him play in a bigger team because, um, you know, you get more attention and you get more. But also the pressure comes in. But I think he he's capable of doing that, and I think he can definitely hit strides higher than what he's doing at Newcastle. But um, I think he's content in the position that he's in right now, and just going day by day. If I have to, if I was him, at least. All right. 
Well, there you go. There you're not going to find anyone better to break down Miguel Almiron. I think that's just a fact. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll just move on to the questions then since we're kind of running out a little steam here. We only really got one question. So, Matt, I guess this would be better for you to answer. Roberto, you can jump in and answer this as well. Mm. Um, have we seen Slatan's last time playing for Milan or playing in general? Because um, he's really towards – the end right now, we know his age, he's at 38, uh, took his time and to make his decision to go back to join Milan and kind of just feels like he wanted to write off into the sunset and to, to his favorite club that he's ever played for. Um, yeah, I mean, go ahead, take it away, because this is considering the situation at Milan now, it, it's not a crazy question to ask. Um, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I think given his age and given what he's already achieved, um, and also what he's gone through, you would say. I mean, with injuries, I think, I think he still has something in the tank. I mean, you don't go. I mean, there are only certain exceptions of players that are at thirty-eight that are able to be still consistent um, in a top-five league. I mean, there's there's very few in the world that have been able to do that over the age of. 35, I would say, and he's been he was doing it at PSG, he was doing it at Manchester United. Um, I mean, not counting the LA Galaxy, but you know, to do that as well is is proven of how much of a of a specimen of an athlete that he is. So I don't think it was the last that we'll see. I think if I was him, I would probably go for another year or so and then call it quits because I think his I think his ceiling has already been hit and it's already he's already done what he's ever he's already achieved out of anyone's wildest dreams. But um, yeah, I think for Milan as well, I think they really um, have to really look into the future and kind of go into that another rebuilding process, unfortunately, and, and, and not always just depend on a 38 year old. Um, I think maybe we could see players that are going to look at slots on his influence as an influence because of what he's already achieved at Milan or, and, and also beforehand what he did at Milan. Um, so I think it's not, if I'm giving you my honest opinion, I think we'll see him for maybe a year, another year or so, but Hey, I mean, we, we said this for players like Gigi Buffon. I mean, obviously they're two different positions, but you know, if he feels well and he, he wants to continue by all means, I mean, the, the final decision will have to go to Slatham himself. And I'm sure that will be a, a big decision. And I think it will be, um, kind of a bittersweet one if when eventually he does, um, hang up his boots. Um, yeah, I, I think with Ibrahimovic, it's it's really difficult to say because Milan's situation is so very complex. Um, I think for me, if the season kind of would have played out, regardless if they would have gotten uh, Champions League, which I know that's an option, triggered the other additional year in his, his in the agreed deal he had with Milan when he did sign in January. Um, but for me, I think the, the way we're seeing Milan being managed and 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 controlled. Uh, on a, what seems like on a, on, on a monthly basis, right? It seems like there's going to be new ownership, then there's not going to be new ownership. There's going to be um, a new manager slash a coach who has a, you know, a sporting director role, and he's going to be managing the day to day. And then now the guy's not going to join. He's not convinced. So there's so much, so many moving parts. And now you throw everything in the fact that the season, you know, not being most likely, in my opinion, not going to be finalized. You wonder if that's something that says for Ibrahimovic that goes off in his head. He goes, hey, I have unfinished business. Maybe a clean slate with Milan for next season is something that intrigues him, right? You know, if the money's there, I know it's, he's not completely you know, you're driven by money but because he has a ton of it. But let's face it, you know, if the money's there, 
and he's able to play in an environment and for a club that he you know, reveres and holds highly in his heart, then I think there is that position where he could play at Milan. But then again, if there's a new vision, there's a new aim and with a younger uh, project and approach that they're looking to take here, they may say, hey, look, Ibrahimovic was good for the short term. You know, he helped you know, pack the stands. He sold some jerseys. He gave a little bit of a buzz to social media presence, yada, yada, yada. But we're going to head in a different direction. And it's very much possible that maybe he does go back to um, Sweden. Maybe he plays at Malmo for a year, you know, finishes his career at Malmo where, he, where everything started. Who really knows? Um, but it's hard to really say, right? I think if he's fit and he's healthy to play, which in the games we did see for Milan, he looked like he was still making a difference. He had, I think, two goals, so three goals in all competitions, a couple assists. He was providing that, that, that value. And even though he, was, he is 38, he does very much, to your point, Roberto, have something in the tank. And I think, you know, when we speak on the, the kind of this, this delay and, and the stoppage of play here for the season, for a 38-year-old, in a strange way, that's something that says, hey, look, I don't want to end my career this way. I want to get it, give it one more full season and then go out the way I want to go out as, as a champion, as a legend of the game. So I don't think he's done. Now, the, the question was, though, is he done at Milan? Really, really difficult to say. I think at the end of the day, Milan have to want him, whoever the coaches, whoever the owners are, whoever the directors are, whatever the standing of the, of the club is at that point in time, you know, at the end of the season when everything's looked at, do we want to go forward with this guy as our main striker? Because if you're going to get a player like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know for a fact he's not going to be a bench player. He's going to start the majority of the games. So it's hard to really say at this point in time. I think if if the season would have just kind of carried out the way it, it, it was designed to before all this you know, coronavirus outbreak hit, I think he would have stayed another year. But now with it being kind of ended, Milan not being in the Champions League, right? We all know that's not going to make that objective. Um, and then just the season being sh- cut short generally, it wouldn't surprise me if Milan and Ibrahimovic cut ties. He goes to play in maybe another league or he goes to return to play for Malmo for one more year and then, uh, you know, heads off into the sunset. So it's, it's really difficult to say. I think, you know, there have been a lot of people that thought that maybe he wouldn't have even come back to Milan. A lot of people doubted that. Um, given their situation, given the fact that they're not competing with, for the same um, trophies that he's used to competing for, that he did previously compete for at Milan. But um, yeah, I think for me, you know, honestly, I, I do think it could be the end of his time here. I just don't see where he goes another season um, at Milan. I, it just doesn't seem like it's, they're, both sides are going to have a meeting of minds and it's going to mesh and it's going to make sense. Yeah, um, I, I agree to that extent as well. I, th- I think his time at Milan is pretty much wrapped up. I I would agree with Roberto's point as well. I think I think you see one more season uh, out of him. Um, but look, hey, that's uh, that's just the way everything's going at Milan. I don't really feel like talking about them. Um, it's nice to get a break uh, <laughs> from them because it's just the worst thing about life right now. So, anyways. Any other topics or stuff you guys care to discuss before we head on out of here? I think that's I think that's pretty much unfortunately all we can really cover <laughs> yeah, at this no, point. Yeah. I think we I think we kind of gave I think the the beauty about these podcasts is that we're going to be doing through this entire stoppage is that we're going to get different perspectives from certain people. Some are going to be different. I know Janish brought a different perspective with how he thinks the season's going to finish out or kind of not finish out and how the the whole situation is going to be altered with this coronavirus and you got Roberto who's here too. Roberto, we thank you for coming back on and giving us your perspective. But we got a little bit of a taste of, you know, Miguel Amaron, um, 
you know, how Major League Soccer is going to get on after this versus, you know, uh, the Europe's top five leagues. So I, I think at the end of the day, look, if we can get together and talk about football throughout this time when there is no football on uh, and just deliver content to our listeners who have been very loyal and very trusting and just kind of coming back uh, to, to hear our perspectives on a, on a weekly basis when we had me, you, and, uh, and Pet Martino, I think at the end of the day, we're talking football. We're unified for this. We're, 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 we're making the most of the situation we have to get the content out there. Yes. And I think at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yes. Well, how about this then? So we'll take it a little bit away from football. Any TV show or movie suggestions for the listeners out there that you guys are fans of that think people should get into anything at all? I don't know. Let's let's leave it to let's let, let I'll get Roberto to start here because uh, I okay. have one yeah Roberto you oh, well, go. you know Roberto Martino you Martino you, know, you go first you haven't really you haven't really kind of steered here uh, the, the ship I'm on multitasking man I'm doing two jobs at once so I'm photoshopping <laughs> when I go on mute and then tossing the questions you got um hmm let's see um I think I think a show that honestly gets lost in generations especially like our generation is The Wire The Wire's in my opinion great show. It's one of the best and well-written shows of all time. In my opinion, it is. Um, There's a lot of themes that go along throughout the show that are just realistic, right? Because that's basically mm-hmm. what you kind of want to look for when you're going with movies or TV. I know like sci-fi is great and, and there's always like great to see like Marvel and stuff like that. There's great movies, but, but just realism hits differently and there's more of an appreciation for it. And David Simon was a guy who wrote the show. It was in, it's an HBO show. Um, it came out around, it was from 2002, 2008, around the same time as The Sopranos. It's kind of why it didn't get as much traction because The Sopranos run. But it's about just Baltimore gang violence, uh, drug issues over there, uh, police-like issues within homicide, all the murders going on. Um, they, they get into journalism in that aspect of it. So that kind of ties into what the sh- our show is here, right? Because you guys are journalists, you're writers. Um, kind of how the whole ethics of, you know, reporting goes, um, just inner city schools and everything. It really hits like almost everything you can imagine. It's five mm-hmm. seasons of it. It's nothing crazy, hour long episodes, and there's a bunch of memorable, memorable characters on it. So The Wire would be my show for a suggestion. Roberto? Um, <laughs> I actually do. I actually would like to see The Wire as well because so many people told me it's such a good show. But no, there you go. If I had to uh, pick one, I mean, one, I haven't been watching too much of my, um, my shows or, or movies or anything just because I've been busy with some I see, other stuff. I see a bunch of FIFA. And, uh, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to play Matt, but I, I just realized, no, he has Pez. What are you doing, dude? What are you doing? It's good, man. Don't sleep I, on I, I wait for EA Access to give me the free copy. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm very lazy. No shame, no shame. Uh, okay. <laughs> no. Uh, but if I had to choose a show, I think also one that I think for our generation has always been a classic. I'm a, I'm a big sitcom guy. I like comedy. Um, if I had to choose a show that I've always been watching and starting to watch all over again, uh, that 70s show, I think it's a, it's a great, really great show, show with so many great actors. I think the storylines are good. I mean, the, the humor is still last season, though. Good. last season. Are you, oh, are you? I haven't, I haven't gone to that yet. I mean, yeah, I know it's not the best, but hey, it's, it's worth a shot. I mean, so if I had to choose one, you know, get with the classic, get, uh, get a bit of laughs, you know, to not worry about what's going on in the world with this whole coronavirus thing. You know, if you want to just pop in uh, that 70 show, watch a few, few episodes, you'll be all uh, cheerful and delightful afterwards. Matt. Uh, yeah. My show is going to be, it's a newer one. I would, I was going to, you know, I think you guys brought some good, good classics 
to, to the to the podcast and our listeners, but I'm gonna go with a different show, uh, a show that I've been was recommended to by a few friends of mine who have their own uh, podcast rating, you know, movies, shows, uh, music, hmm. so on and so forth. Boys, it's on Am Prime. Um, it, Here, want to say want to say that one more time? You keep kind of think, fading out. Think of it as, if, as if as if um, the Marvel Universe superheroes were. Sure. So um, the, sh- the show I'm going to go with is it's called The Boys. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you so can check out some of the shows they do have on, on, on Amazon Prime. But, We're not. Yeah, um, none yeah, of this is clear. Is much, uh, short. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, you were cutting out that none whole time. Clear. Roberto, I don't know about you. He, I uh, yeah, I, I couldn't hear him. Yeah. What about test, 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 test? Can you hear me? You kind of sound like robotic. Do you want to just like leave and rejoin real quick again, maybe? Yeah, let me do that real quick. Yeah. I feel so bad. He couldn't. I couldn't hear a thing, dude. I couldn't hear a word. It was so bad. Oh man, yo, did you see what happened to Jamal Murray? I heard about it. I didn't see it. I, I saw the video. Like, oh, you <laughs> no, because someone sent me. He's like, oh, bro, you should watch. Like, what the fuck is this? I heard it was like at three a.m. or something. So yeah, funny. I was like, what are you doing? Dude? <laughs> and, and you know what's the funny part? The girls like asking, please, if anyone has the video, please delete it. Like, yeah, that's gonna happen. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, good, good luck, sweetheart. You know, do you know what NBA Twitter is? Like, do you have an idea what you're dealing that's with? Cool. Dennis Andre's got a hold of that. I don't know if you know who that is. What's his name? Sorry. Uh no, that no, this 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 guy he's uh he's from Holland, but he's like a Milan and Valencia fan and he's yeah. just like he's just one of those like crazy kids that's like uh, part of like quote unquote like horny Twitter. It's like it's oh, just okay. fun. It's just horny, fun. Always on horny Twitter. Can, can yeah, you so guys fun. hear me or no? Um just keep talking. Can you guys hear me? I, I hear you, but you're I wanna see test, if you're test, coming. test, test, one, two, three. Oh right, yeah, that's test, better. Test one, two, three. All right. Ready? Okay. So just to cut me off again if you can't hear me. Um, I'll make. I'll try to make it quick too. Yeah. So I'm gonna, the show I'm going to recommend to the listener here is called The Boys. It's on Amazon Prime. There's been one season so far. They're working on the second, maybe coming out pretty soon. Um, and what better time to get into a new show where you know, kind of expand your horizons and, and 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 try out something new, right? So The Boys is pretty much a show, in short, that's about. Um, I guess you have it's superheroes, but in the, in the, in the, in, but in a in a different way that you you and I know superheroes, right? The Marvel Universe, DC, and all that stuff. So think of it as is as if superheroes were that, this, these revered people in society, but they abused their powers for for they did wrong, things wrong. They were abused again, abuse of power. They did a lot of unethical things, not moral. Uh, they had a lot of unmoral actions, and you have people who kind of see through that, and they're trying to. Uh, I kind of essentially take them down from within inside and they kind of befriend one of the people who uh, became a superhero, but is not like the others. So it's a very interesting take and very interesting uh, concept for what you and I know as the superhero. I think we're all kind of pretty much tired of the, the, the traditional superhero movie. I know I am at least, I think, you know, we've had a decade worth of Iron Man and, Thor, Hulk, you know, you name it, we've pretty much seen everything. So to have a good perspective and new take and a fresh take on something like this, um, I, I think it's definitely worth your time. It's a really easy watch. It's not one of those things where it's very boring and there's not a lot going on. It's got its humor. It also has its action and it has just, again, a very interesting take on superhero movies, which 
uh, I, I find you know something that's definitely worth your time, especially if you have an Amazon Prime membership already and you don't have to dish out anything additional to get access to it. So the boys, check it out, Amazon Prime. That's my recommendation. All right. So those are the three recommendations there. Roberto, we want to thank you so much for hopping on with us again. Returning guest, I think you're a tide all time as the I think our, I think he's our third returning guest because we've had Muhammad Ali who came on twice. Mo Ali, yeah, yeah. came on twice yeah. and then Roberto. So you're third. You're third time to show. There you go. There we go. Okay. So Roberto, let everybody know how they can follow you. Check out some of your work if you still post some of it because I know it's not kind of hard to get new work on but you know what i mean yeah just tell the people where they can find you yeah absolutely you could hit me up on uh, roberto rojas 97 all one word on twitter um i'm hoping to do a bunch of stuff on uh, be in sports the company that i work with and 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 do put out some good material uh you know obviously you could also follow the podcast that i will do um called lolomet football which we've had matt on and we need to get you on martino that's for sure um very but, soon <laughs> sounds uh, great um, so we're doing that. We're actually doing a new series where we're talking about the legends of the games, um, Ooh. in our, this week of football, uh, series. We've done two episodes already. We did one on Diego Maradona and we did one on, uh, Ronaldo Fenomeno. So we're hoping to continue that series, at least for the time being until hopefully this coronavirus uh, outbreak ends. And, and, and that's it, man. I mean, I don't, I don't really do much after that, man. It's, it's just, the, the usual 22-year-old guy stuff on, on Twitter. <laughs> so, yeah, just check me out if you want. Uh, all things soccer and all things life on Twitter. Okay, Matt, tell them where to find you. Yep, you guys can follow me on Twitter, at Matt underscore Santangelo. Hoping to get my Medium account off the ground to do some different content. MLS, um, you know, I have a couple ideas up my sleeve as well that I hope to get going. I don't know how I'm going to introduce it now that there's no – football and we're probably not going to see the rest that's the, the, the top five leagues finish but uh at the end of the day i usually inform everyone of what i'm doing what i'm working on what i have in the pipeline on twitter so make sure you guys are following me there yeah and you could just follow me on twitter at martino puccio again not your traditional uh football soccer guy I literally tweet about almost every sport well, you can very imagine funny at the end as well very funny uh, that's just stop sucking up guest. All right. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just messing around. Um, no, but seriously, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. That's really all the stuff here. Please guys rate, subscribe, uh, share the podcast, shout out to big heads media, by the way, which, uh, where the podcast gets posted on their media network as well. Just download, listen to the Janusz Mikhailik, uh, uh, episode as well. Listen to this one, just share it all over the place. We really do appreciate everybody that listens. I think it could speak for everybody, and hopefully we get Pet back on soon. Uh, hopefully he feels better. Everyone, please stay safe out there. And for now, take care.